Empress of Landings Productions is proud to present radio's newest detective, Jack Cassidy P.I., and her thrilling adventures in Hard Boiled. Mail call. Anything interesting? Hmm, Bill, another Bill. Oh, this week's free tickets from the Strand. Ooh, it's the new Mae West. Don't you just love her? Why don't you come up sometime and see me? I thought it was, why don't you come up and see me sometime? No, that's what people always say, but they get it wrong. Ooh! What? There's an invitation to a party. A what? Miss Primula Dell requests the pleasure of the company of Miss Jacqueline Cassidy at a residence for dinner. Amusing conversation and a competitive battle of wits. She is desirous of your expertise to solve a murder, which she judges will take place sometime after 8 o'clock on Friday evening. Attendees are welcome to bring a guest, RSVP. What the hell? You don't know what this is about either? Not a clue. Uh, who is this Primula Dame? I've never even heard of her. Is she telling me she's fixing? to commit a murder this Friday and she wants me to be there to sort it out? Jack Cassidy, Detective Agency. Oh, hi, Sergeant. Yes, she's here. I'll, I'll hand her over. Hiya, Sarge. What can I do for you? Hey, Jack. Have you got a hold of your invitation yet? My what? Sarge, did you send this missive? Christ, no. But I've got one, too. Miss Primula Dell requests the pleasure of your company. You're kidding. What's going on? Well, Jack, if you had all my police academy training under your belt, maybe you'd already have solved this mystery and gone ahead and called this dame yourself. But since you don't... Cripe, Sarge. I only just opened the letter this minute. Well, who is she? Did you know her? Primula Dell? Only slightly. Oldish broad who lives in one of those mansions around Alexander Circle. Completely bananas, from what I understand. Only she's filthy rich enough that we called her eccentric. I worked a break and enter for her a while back. Simple case. Just a kid who thought she looked like an easy mark. But I guess she remembered me. So what'd she tell you when you called her up? What's this about a murder? It's her way of inviting us to a murder game party. You know the murder game? I've been working in the murder game on and off for the past ten years. Oh, no, no, Jack, you know, the murder game! Is your secretary doing that thing where she sticks her noggin right up against yours to listen to the phone call? So what if I am? It ain't very professional. The murder game's a thing you do at parties. You know, all the lights out, and when they come back up, somebody's lying on the ground pretending to be dead. And somebody else at the party is the murderer, and all the guests have to work out who it is, right? Right. Sounds like a damned waste of time. Well, why didn't she invite her rich socialite friends? Don't you and I have real murders to worry about? <sighs> Apparently, she wants some honest-to-God dicks there, so her rich socialite friends can see how the business of murder-solving is really done. And she wants to pit all the dicks against each other, see whose method is best. What a dippy notion. Well, why bother getting me on the blower, Sarge? Why didn't you just drop this thing into the wastebasket and get on with your day? Well... Oh, you're not going, are you? The problem is the third detective she's asked to be present. Well, I say detective. Technically, he's a psychic. A psychic? Do you remember the Boer murders back in 28? Vaguely. Well, I don't know if you heard about this part, but we only solved that case because of this psychic fella who was in town at the time. Name of Adolf Maximilian Langsner. You're telling me some Jerry Carnival grifter solved your murder for you? He claimed to be able to look into people's minds and see the guilt flowing out of their brains. Well, I admit I thought it was a lot of hooey at first, but he fingered the guy who'd done it, easy as you please, and told us where he stashed the gun. Boer confessed, and the gun was right where Langsner said it was. And you believe this bunk, Sarge? I saw it all go down with my own eyes, Jack. Look, I'm not saying I believe in psychics. Maybe this guy just has some talent for reading body language. I don't know. The point is... 
The chief thinks he's the cat's pajamas. And now that he's back in town, we've been trying to get him to come work with us on some more cases. I figure if I go to this party, make small talk, butter the guy up. Well, I hope you have a swell time of it, Sarge. You can tell me all about it the next time I see you. She'll pay you, you know. What? Sure, just like a regular job. She asked me to tell you, just in case there was any doubt. And she can pay you pretty handsomely. <laughs> okay, so this is not so much an invitation to a nice dinner, as it is a commission to come and be entertainment for the evening. Don't get all up on your hind legs. I'm just telling you to think of her as a client like any other. A little screwier than most clients, maybe, but still a client with good Canadian money in her wallet. So, might I see you there? I'll have to think it over. And if I do, will I get the privilege of seeing Jack Cassidy in a dress? Bye, Sarge. Jack! I know, we could use the money. We could always use the money. And anyway, doesn't this sound like fun? Well, let me think that one over. Uh, no, it doesn't. Oh, come on! It's just a dinner party. We'll go. You can prove to everyone you're the most brilliant of all of them. And we'll have a good laugh about it afterwards. Uh, what's this we? Well, it says you can bring a guest. Who else would you bring? Have you been seeing some other secretary behind my back? Ha ha. Oh, when I have the most perfect dress for it. I suppose she'll expect formal evening wear will you tails it just might not be what mrs dell is expecting she's the dame who hired me for this crummy affair and if i have to go formal i'll go in tails and a tie or i won't go at all if she doesn't like it she'll have to lump it the day of the dinner party dawned gray and grim and by 7:30 it was 15 below when there was freezing rain pelting down steadily it was the sort of weather designed to put the kibosh on my reliance on streetcars and bicycles, so I set aside my principles for the evening and took a cab. When I arrived at Mrs. Dell's residence, I found my secretary shivering on the front steps. Finally! What have you been waiting around here for? It's freezing. I didn't want to go inside without you. You're the one who's been invited, after all. Well, well, Euphemia Strombitsky finally cowed in the face of high society. Oh, shut up and ring the doorbell, would you? A butler took our coats and led us into a brilliantly lit sitting room, where we found McGregor chatting with a small man in dark glasses. Near him, there were two men who looked like they'd stepped out of a Leyendecker print, talking to a woman in a dress with leopard print trim and a loud purple turban, who could only have been... Ah, our final detectives have arrived. Such a delight to have you here, my dears. How are you? Well, we are I am, of course, your hostess, Primula Dale. You, I suppose, are the famed Jack Cassidy. And this must be uh, your... Secretary, uh, Effie Strombitsky. Hi. Of, of course, of course. Such a pleasure. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> a glass of champagne? Oh, yes, please. Now, introductions. Let us begin with your competitors for the evening. Sergeant McGregor, I understand, you already know. Glad to see you here, Jack. And this, of course, is the great Herr Doctor Aldolf Maximilian Langster, of whose talents you have no doubt heard. Pleasure. The pleasure is all mine, Fräulein. I am delighted to see that I have such worthy competitors for this evening's uh, entertainment. <laughs> uh-huh. And perhaps you are also familiar with the work of my dear friends, Monsieur Jean de Montesquieu and Monsieur Edmond Jolie, the playwriting team. I don't know if I've... Their most recent piece, L'Entrege de Cordani, premiered to tremendous acclaim in Montreal just a few months ago. I had the privilege of attending a matinee and, oh, <laughs> c'est magnifique, 
monsieur. Madame Dell is too kind. But even faced with such tremendous fame and success, they have not forgotten their Alberta roots, eh, gentlemen? But we could never forget those. Especially with the charms of Madame Primulia Dell to welcome us back. <laughs> we are currently at work on a new play concerning a group of people who are trapped at a dinner party with a murderer. Madame Dell was so kind as to organize a simulation of such a dinner party for our research purposes. And to bring in real-life detectives so that we could see for ourselves how real-life detectives talk. The evening has already been most illuminating. Oh, very, very useful. Oui. Uh, swell. Swell. Did you get that in more? Swell. Swell, yes, superb. Un exemple authentique de l'argot utilisé par les détectives privés. Oui, cher, évidemment, c'est pas nécessaire de tout décortiquer. Ah, c'est juste pour dire... Ah, the last guests. Who else is joining our uh, little soirée? Oh, I invited the Redsdales as well. They live just next door. The Redsdales? Jean, you remember that uh, British expat and his charming wife? Ah, you know each other. Only slightly. I've been meaning to invite them over for weeks now, but it kept slipping my mind. You should see their property, my dears. It's just scrumptious. I've been trying to buy it up myself for years now, but they snatched it out from under me. Ah, here they are. Roderick, Ulele, how are you? Oh, mustn't complain, mustn't complain. Beastly weather, this, isn't it? I'm just so excited about this evening, Miss Dell. I can't tell you. It's like stepping inside a real-life Agatha Christie novel. Oh, are you one of the detectives? May I present Mr. McGregor, a sergeant with the Edmonton Police? Oh, Mr. McGregor. And Miss Jack Cassidy, a local private investigator, and her secretary, Effie Strambitsky. A lady detective, eh? How dashed modern. And this is Herr Dr. Aldov Langsner, a psychic detective. I really prefer the term uh, mental telepathist. And I am glad to say that I have already had the pleasure. Uh, Mr. Redstale and I were introduced some weeks ago at a dinner party for a mutual friend. Ah, yes, you're the chap who did the seance. Fascinating stuff, fascinating. Old King just adores that kind of thing, doesn't he? King? My husband and Mr. Langsner are too modest to come right out and drop names, Miss Cassidy. But their mutual friend is, of course, our Prime Minister. Mr. King, as my friend Mr. Redstale correctly observes, is a great admirer of mine humble talents. <laughs> and here are our other guests, Monsieur Jolie and Monsieur Montesquieu, who tell me they already know you. Ah, yes... Yes, we have had some correspondence in the past, haven't we? Bonsoir, Monsieur Redsdale. How do you do, uh, Mr. Redsdale? Well, shall we move through to the dining room? So, Herr Langsner, how long have you been practicing your, um, talents? You mean my service for humanity? I would say about uh, 16 years. And do you find it enjoyable, Herr Doctor? Enjoyable? No, not quite enjoyable, but wonderfully fulfilling. It is not an easy calling of mine. All my life I have had to fight. Official science, for instance, it fights me. But what can one say? One does it, one proves it, 
And then one makes friends of the honest skeptics. What about you, Miss Cassidy? Do you enjoy your work? Well, that uh, really depends on the day. I heard somewhere that you had the opportunity to thwart a gang of Bolshevists a while back. That must have been satisfying. That wasn't exactly the Bolshevists I thwarted. Damn nuisance, Bolshevists. All those lunatics on the left are what's sending this country to hell in a handbasket, wouldn't you say, Miss Strenbitsky? Um... Strenbitsky, that's not a Jewish name, is it? Uh... No, sir. Jolly good. So many people who seem perfectly pleasant when you meet them turn out to be either Jews or Bolshevists. And in my personal experience, when you have one, you have the other as well. Not that under normal circumstances I'd go out of my way to have a Polak at my dinner table, but there certainly are worse things, eh? <laughs> uh, I'm actually Ukrainian. More champagne for you, Miss Trumbitsky? Yes, please. So, Herr Langsner, it was the Boer murder you helped the police solve some years ago, yes? We remember reading about it in the papers. How did you do it? Oh, it was an easy job. The police were so good, so, so cooperative. If all policemen were so willing to cooperate with me, I could clean up Chicago in a year. Right, but uh, but how exactly did you solve the murder, Herr Doctor? Ah, uh, Miss Cassidy, my processes are not so simple that I can distill them into a few words of uh, dinner party chatter. Mine allies, they are invisible, strong forces, all silent. I do not see them, do not know them. They know me, I think. All I can do is keep myself right and ready. I must not worry. I must keep my nerves open. I must be ready that my invisible allies may use me. Gee, so, uh, when is this murder scheduled to take place exactly? Oh, if we told you that, my dear, it would spoil all the fun. Which of the three competitors do you have the most confidence in, Madame Dell? Oh, maybe we should take bets. I think I will place my money on Air Dr. Langsner. Jean has the utmost faith in the supernatural. I just tremendously admire his spectacles. One can always trust a man in dark glasses. I hope you all forgive my rudeness in wearing this at the table. I find that bright light can be a great strain on my ability to keep my nerves open for communication with the, the world beyond. Well, if I may be absolutely candid, Mr. McGregor here is the only one of you I'd consider hiring if I ever needed a crime solved. Nothing personal, of course, but I find I really can't stand this sort of eccentric affectation from hired professionals. Now, how could they possibly take that personally? I think the doctor has me pretty well beat in the eccentricity department. Really, Miss Cassidy? I'm sure you must be considered at least something of an original by your colleagues in Edmonton. From personal experience, I only ever see women who look like you do hanging around particularly louche nightclubs when I visit Berlin. Hey, uh, thanks, Mr. Rudsdale. Uh, nobody's ever called me louche before. I hope you boys are taking notes. Louche nightclubs. Great turn of phrase for that play of yours. May I ask, Miss Strimbitsky, does your employer make a point of going about in trousers and a tie all the time? Does it aid her in her 
profession. I think her tail coat suits her very well. Oh, I'm sure you do. My question is, Miss Cassidy, I'm truly curious. Is it a strategic choice? In the hopes, I mean, that if your clients see you looking like a man, that they will treat you like a man? You must know it's a very unattractive look for a woman. So is it purely for the sake of your career? Well, I wouldn't... Please understand that I merely ask in the spirit of scientific curiosity. I was just saying to Eulalia the other day was an idea. It seems like ever since the Great War, the world has just been overrun with men who think they're women and women who think they're men. And I just can't understand it all. Now, if this were what your clients wanted from you, perhaps that would make some sort of sense. But what I can't fathom is why those who suffer from congenital inversion, for instance, don't make more of an effort to seek treatment for it instead of forcing everyone to be exposed to their degeneracy. Hey, mister, why don't you shut up? I beg your pardon. What's the big idea? Showing up to dinner parties just to pick on the other guests? Jack doesn't need to pretend to be anything to get clients. She gets clients because she's great at what she does. And just because she's wearing a tie doesn't mean you can sit around jawing about her like there's something wrong with her because there's nothing wrong with her. And saying it don't make her look attractive is a lot of bunk because I see her in those clothes every day and I think she looks more attractive in them than any man ever could do. So there. Um... Uh, and, and that, th that's all. Say, is this parsley sauce? Because it is, mmm, delicious. Mr. Ndisky, I wonder if you ever... Oh, oh murder time! How I'm rotting, I'm rotting, isn't this exciting? Either by good luck, or because the servant Permuladell had stationed by the light switch had an acute sense of how and when to save a social gathering from disaster, it was at that moment that all the lights went out, and from the dazzling brightness of Permula's dining room, we were suddenly plunged into total darkness. I guess this is it. Oops, is that your elbow? Oh, oh, oh no! I am being murdered! Help! Help! Someone is murdering me! Someone has been tragically murdered in the dark. Jenkins, the lights! Get the lights! How dreadful, poor dear Jean, cut down in the prime of life. Now, no one told me there were going to be two murders planned for this evening. Two murders? Why, Roderick, you sly thing! You didn't tell me Miss Dell picked you to be murdered too. What? Parbleu! Madame Den, you told me I would be the only victim. What are you doing pretending to be slump over like that, Mr. Redsdale? You can get up now, you know, Roddy. You don't have to pretend to be dead for the whole rest of the evening, Roddy. Oh my god. Roddy! The thrilling adventures of Jack Cassidy will return in a moment. But first, we'd like to share some important information with you. Located right on White Ave and just off Gateway is a historic building that houses dozens of local Albertan artists. The Old Strathcona Arts Emporium is a space that welcomes anyone who wants to showcase their art with affordable rates and retail support. Inside, you will find that it has become home to painters, photographers, crafters, jewelers, furniture artists, upcyclers, and makers of all kinds. Within the first 60 days of being open, 50 artists have signed up to be a part of this market-style, open six days a week emporium, and more sign up every day. It is a magical place. The artists that sign up can feel it right when they walk in. And folks, they can't wait to share that magic with you. 
There is truly something for everyone in the old Strathcona Arts Emporium, and new artists move in every Monday. See you there soon. If you're enjoying this tale of high stakes and high society, please take a moment to subscribe to Hardboiled to make sure you don't miss the next thrilling installment. And leave a rating and perhaps a friendly review on the platform where you're enjoying this program. Unless, of course, you aren't enjoying this program, in which case, keep your feelings to yourself. We now return you to the episode in progress. Murder by Invitation. I tried to get through to the station, but it looks like the phone lines are down in the storm. I could try to drive over. Look outside, Sarge. It's coming down in sheets now. You won't be able to see two feet ahead of you. So what am I supposed to do? Just sit here with my husband's corpse, making pleasant conversation with his murderer? Oh, uh, come now, Miss Redstale. What? What? He was stabbed. Stabbed where the lights went out. That's what you said, isn't it, Sergeant, when you examined the body? A knife wound? Someone in this room murdered my husband. Oh, this is really too dreadful. Peut-être un peu plus réaliste que ce qui est préférable. If I may say so far, Redstale, I would point out that even without the rest of the police here to assist, you are in the best possible company for such a situation. After all, here you are in the room with three trained investigators, and all the possible suspects are gathered in one room together. Oh, do you really think you could work out who the killer is? Right here? Right now? I have found my little talents are very useful in circumstances like these. You've been to a lot of dinner parties like this one here, Doctor? If you will all allow me just a few moments to concentrate and to reach out to the spirits. Uh-huh, swell. Uh, you see anything around the body, Sarge? Doesn't seem like any of the knives on the table are missing. No, and none of them are sharp enough to have made a wound like this. Whoever did this came prepared. Well, the weapon's got to be around here somewhere. Could be a pocket knife. Someone could have tucked it away. Yeah, okay. Everybody empty your pockets and evening bags. Miss Cassidy, please. Yeah, I'm sure there is no need for such unpleasantness. You know a man was just stabbed to death, right? What I mean is, perhaps if you would be so kind, you would be willing to let me try my method of investigation before embarking upon yours? And what method is that? You gonna summon Mr. Redsdale's ghost and ask him who he felt breathing in his ear during his last moments? I simply wish to suggest that before we submit everyone to the indignity of a physical examination, I could take a moment to ask everyone some questions. You may ask some questions too if you wish, but uh, I feel that some conversation with the assembled group will better enable me to reach out to mine allies and receive their input. <sighs> okay, Langsner. We'll try it your way first. Sarge, you can't be serious. Listen, I don't know how he solved that murder back in the 20s, but he did solve it. The worst thing that'll happen is he waves his arms and spouts some more bunk, and we don't know any less than we did when we started. If I could please get everyone to arrange their chairs in a circle and be seated? Yes, yes, good, they're good. Uh, ideally, of course, one does this sort of thing by candlelight. But... My dear man, I am most certainly not shutting off the lights a second time. Thank you very much. I think one murder is quite enough for one evening. Very well, very well. Uh, just as you like. Uh, we will dispense with the usual formalities. Miss Redstale, my good woman, may I begin by asking just a few questions of you? Do you feel that you are strong enough? Yes. Yes, I suppose so. Very well, then. Do you know if your husband had any enemies? 
I imagine so, yes. One doesn't become as politically powerful as my husband without making some enemies. He was a rich man too, yes? I I suppose he was. Oh, certainly, my dear. Roderick built up a tremendous fortune over the years. Yes, uh, Mr. Redsdale was a very canny businessman. Did you have children? No, no, we didn't. Why? And you, Frau Dale, may I inquire about your knowledge of Herr Redsdale's tremendous fortune? How did you come to learn of it? Oh, darling, it's common knowledge. His name would appear in all the papers every so often. He was a diplomat and a businessman. He traveled all over the world. Well, Ulele, the two of you just seemed too terribly glamorous. Herr Doctor, why did you ask me if I had children? It's natural enough, Miss Redstale, to wish to get all of the details. Why did you ask if my husband was rich and then ask me if I had children? Are you trying to imply that I might have a motive? Uh, Frau Redstale, this was not at all my intention. How dare you, sir! I loved my husband! I would gladly give up my life for his! The moment I realized what had happened was the worst! moment of my life. I simply wish to acquaint myself better with everyone in the room. Well, if that was what you want, perhaps you should be talking to them. Us? They were the ones who wanted this dinner party as inspiration for their degenerate writings. What could give them a better sense of what it would be like to experience a real murder than to actually commit one? Ellie, dang! C'est de la folie. Comment osez-vous proposer que nous sommes... Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. Mrs. Redsdale is distraught, and we have to face the fact that anyone in the room could have done this terrible thing. I could not have done this terrible thing. Nor could I. How did you two know Mr. Redsdale? Pardon? Well, you all seem to know each other, and it seemed to me all three of you got a little shifty looking when you shook hands. Well, il faut leur dire. Il ne faut absolument rien faire. Ah, donc tu préfères qu'on t'accuse de meurtre? Ils n'ont aucune preuve. Pas une seule. Et... Blackmail? What? Mr. Redstale was blackmailing you. Is, is that not correct? How did you? How did you? It comes out of both of your minds in very strong waves. Blackmail? Uh, do not distress yourself, Madame Redsdale. Your husband never did anything quite illegal. It was all very professionally executed. Oh, yes. He was very careful to never actually threaten us. But to make it very clear that our reputation depended on increasingly large sums of money we wired to him every month. So, what's the big secret? What? What did he find out about you that he was blackmailing you over? Some scandal? Something about a woman? What? Uh, no. No, not nothing about a woman. Well then? My dear, what did they teach you at detective school? Come on, Sarge. They don't need to spill their secrets, do they? That's not the important thing. Thank you, Miss Cassidy. The important thing is, these boys have a crystal clear motive. Yes, thank you, Miss Cassidy. Perhaps we did have a motive, but we are innocent. Jean, remember, was the fake victim. He was busy collapsing on the floor at the moment Monsieur Redsdale was stabbed. And what about you? You weren't busy doing anything, monsieur. Please, Frau Redsdale, I understand that you are overwrought, but we must not let our anger run away with us. Oh, I'm overwrought, am I? Overwrought, you say, after my husband is stabbed to death in front of me, and I'm trapped in the house with his murderer and accused of the crime myself? Mrs. Redstale, please. Well, while we're on the subject of letting our anger run away with us, suppose 
as we talk about the young woman who directed an unprompted outburst of rage at my husband just moments before his death. Me? Who else? You shriek at him to shut up moments later. He shut up for good. Oh, oh gosh, Miss Redsdale, I'm awfully sorry about that. I can't think what came over me. I just got so mad all of a sudden. Jack's the best employer a girl could wish for. And when I heard him laying into her like that, well, I... <laughs> employer? She says the best employer. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm her secretary. Oh, her secretary, are you? Didn't Miss Dell tell you that earlier? Yeah, I'm her secretary. I, you know, take her calls and, and things. Anyway, I just didn't like the way your husband was talking to her. But gee, I wouldn't scrag the guy for it. Est-ce qu'elle dit scrag? Est-ce que ça veut dire meurtre? C'est bon, ça. Alors là, c'est vraiment pas le bon moment, Jean. Oh! Herr Doctor, are you all right? Is the spirits, is the pull of the spirits is upon me. I feel, I feel that the answer will soon be imparted to me. Could, could I ask perhaps that, that we all join hands? This is officially the dippiest murder investigation in history. Join a circle once more. Yes, sir. Just so. Now. Two of you in this circle were being blackmailed by the man who is now dead. One of you wished desperately to purchase property of which he was the owner. Oh, I must say, my dear, I really don't. <laughs> One of you stood to inherit his tremendous fortune, and two of you felt yourselves to be deeply insulted by Herr Redstale over the course of dinner. But only one mind has been sending out clear thought waves of guilt. Hot waves? I do not fault your skepticism, Fräulein Cassidy, but you will yet see. You will judge for yourself. When I studied in Vienna with Herr Dr. Freud, I learned it is perfectly scientifically reasonable for a well-attuned human mind to receive signals from a mind under stress. Well, spit it out, man. Whose mind is sending out these guilty waves? I'm deeply saddened to say this. It is tragic indeed to think that a man could meet this fate at the hands of his own dear wife. What? Me? You accuse me? You, you charlatan, you German quack, are you mad? Even if I had not been receiving help from mine allies, it would have been impossible to not notice your desire to accuse everyone in the room, except yourself, madam. That's true. And of course, you were sitting next to him at dinner. It would have been very easy to turn to the side and slide Sergeant, a knife to... you are surely not going to convict me on the dubious accusations of this humbug lunatic. The Edmonton police have been glad of my advice before. Well, last time the guy confessed, Langsner, and you led us to where the weapon was. May I suggest, perhaps, that you take a look inside Frau Redstale's evening bag? <laughs> You do that, by all means. I have nothing to hide. Here, take it. <gasps> what? C'est le couteau. Merciful heavens. Ugh, it's all still bloody. I, I don't understand. How, how could it have gotten there? I imagine, Frau Redstale, that is where you chose to replace it once it had served its dark purpose. No, no, I, this, this is some plot. I could never, I would never... Mrs. Redstale, I'm afraid in light of this, I'm going to have to place you under arrest. No! No. What? She didn't do it. Jack, I know you're skeptical about Langsner's powers, but she had the murder weapon right on her. That's why I say she didn't do it. Come on, Sarge. Why would you murder your husband with a knife and then stash it back in your purse? Why not just leave the thing sticking in him? How the hell should I know? Folks ain't always thinking clearly at the moment they plunge a knife into somebody. Sure, but she would have had to fumble in the dark to get the thing back in, and she wouldn't have known how much time she had before the lights came back on. Nah, somebody put that knife in her bag because they wanted her to be accused. 
Part two? Yes. Ooh. You all see how bright it is in this room? I had to practically squint when I came in from the street. Miss Dell doesn't cut corners when it comes to lighting her home, I guess. I was an early adopter of the electric light. So when they all went out, none of us could see a damned thing. Our eyes couldn't adjust. Except for the man who was wearing dark glasses all night. Oh. Son of a gun. Huh. What on earth do you mean? I mean that once you whipped those specks off, you would have been the only person who could have seen anything once the lights were out. The rest of us couldn't see enough to find our own fork, much less draw out a knife and plunge it into the man sitting across from us. But for you, it would have been easy. Absurd. Now, I can't say I know why you did it. Seems to me you're just about the only one in this room who didn't have a swell reason for bumping off the late Mr. Redsdale. But in my opinion, you're the only person in this room who could have done it. My dear Fraulein, I must say this all seems very far-fetched. Maybe. But now that we've got a hold of the murder weapon, thanks to your miraculous knowledge of its location, it doesn't actually matter. I suggest Sarge takes the whole lot of us into custody and collects our fingerprints. Fingerprints? Sure, no possible way that whoever did it had time to slide a pair of gloves on and off. Hey, Langsner, your allies told you where the knife was. Do you reckon they'd tell us whose prints will be on it? Langsner? Mine. What? My prints. <laughs> You're quite right, no point drawing things out. Is this an admission of guilt? I thought I might as well do the thing properly by trying to pin it on the wife. But if I cannot, I cannot. It is really no matter. I accomplished what I meant to accomplish. If I must be hanged for it, well, so be it. You, you murdered my husband? I did. And tried to frame me? Yes, Frau Redstale, I believe we've all grasped this point now. You filthy swine! I don't want to take you all away. Okay, hey! Stop, stop! All right, this is nuts. The rain looks like it's starting to let up. I'm going to go see if I can get my car to start. And then you and I, Herr Doctor, are going to head down to the station. Jack, are you packing heat? No, Sarge. Curiously enough, I leave the old equalizers at home when I go to society dinners. Well, take mine. Don't give me that look. I came here straight from work. Anyway, as it turns out, you never know when you might need to be armed. Stay here and make sure our psychic friend doesn't try any funny business. I'll be right back. Mental telepathist. What? The term is mental telepathist. Oh, I mean... shut up. I still don't get why you did it. Seems to me like you're the only bird in this room without a motive. I did what was necessary. See, Langsner, in my years as a dick, I found that bumping somebody off is almost never a necessary solution to a problem. It is a question of politics, Fraulein. Frau Redstale mentions that her husband made many enemies in his career. Let us simply say that I am one of those enemies. Care to elaborate? Of course. You're probably just another one of those anti-fascists, aren't you? Anti-fascists? My husband's political enemies often disapproved of the friends he made in high places. I dare say this Langsner has some fixation on the very close friendship my husband and I have with the dear German Chancellor. Oh, you, uh, have a, a very close friendship with the dear German Chancellor? Oh, yes. He and my husband are very fond of each other. We've dined with him on many occasions. Of course, one doesn't wish to boast. Of course. Um, in fact, my husband was acting as a sort of liaison between Herr Hitler and Mr. King. Mr. King? The Prime Minister? William Mackenzie King, you know, is also quite fond of Herr Hitler. The late Roger Redstale was working very hard to persuade Mr. King that Canada would be very well situated, uh, politically speaking, if he were to help convince Britain to sign a peace pact with Germany. 
And he had very nearly succeeded too. After all, anybody who knows anything about the world just now can see there's a war coming and friendship with Germany would be the best way to ensure the continued safety and prosperity of Canada. Would it? But now, I dare say, Mr. King will be obliged to turn towards other advisers, less astute than my husband. That's why you did it? In order to remove someone who might have been instrumental in getting Britain and Canada to play nice with Germany? Quite so, Fräulein Cassidy. Of course, organizing political alliances was not the only little task with which Herr Redstell was only too pleased to help the Führer. During his travels, he compiled extensive notes on any politically powerful persons who might prove troublesome, for instance. Why, certainly. Wouldn't anybody wish to be informed if the people they trust as leaders are Jews or, or communists or sodomites? Frankly, I think we all know that the world would be a much better place if certain people could be simply eliminated. Yes, eliminated. That was the sort of task your husband loved to help Herr Hitler with, wasn't it? Some marvellous work you did up in Dakar last year. Oh, the Chancellor's opponents love to harp on these camps he runs. They're really quite necessary for the running of an efficient government. My husband was saying to Mr. King only the other day, Herr Hitler's model is much the best one for dealing with criminals and degenerates. I have been working against the Allies of the German Chancellor for some time now. When Frau Dell mentions that he had been invited to dinner, I saw the perfect chance to rid the world of a very dangerous man. <laughs> dangerous man? Listen to him. Dangerous. What is taking that sergeant so long? No easy thing getting a car started in weather like this. Are you really a psychic and an anti-fascist secret agent? A mental telepathist, if you please. Uh, but, but of course, uh, my little talents have been very helpful to me. Didn't see your own hanging when you and your allies were peering into the future, though, did you? Do you really think they'll hang him? Of course they will. What other outcome could you possibly expect? And it will bloody well serve him right. I have always known my calling was a dangerous one. If I am truly caught at last, I will face death with only one regret. What is that? That I utterly spoiled your charming dinner party, Fraudel. Oh, not at all, darling boy. Really, this has been a very thrilling evening, all things considered. Excuse me? Well, I said thrilling, dear, not pleasant. <laughs> I'm just a little worried, though. What about? Well, the, uh, murderer is standing so close to that back window. It would be quite easy for him to leap out and make a run for it down the alley, wouldn't it? And reach his own car before we could alert the sergeant that he'd escaped. Nonsense. Even he wouldn't be foolish enough to do such a thing, not with Miss Cassidy pointing a gun at him. Yes, although I must say I'm not as handy with these things as I used to be. You have to stay in constant practice, don't you? Yes, I certainly hope the sergeant hurries up, otherwise this man could escape quite easily. Ah! Oh dear me, there he goes. Didn't you shoot him? Finger cramp. Ugh, trigger finger just cramped right up. That's what happens when you don't keep in shape. Well, what are you waiting for? Go and tell the sergeant. Go after him. Yes. Yeah, I'll do that. Miss Dell, do you know where I'll find my coat? Oh, let me think. Ugh, I never remember where the butler puts these things. You don't need a coat. Just go. Well, sure, I need a coat. It's awfully cold out there. Yeah, and she gets real crabby when it's cold. You can't expect her to do anything without a coat. Uh, now, let me see. Uh, perhaps he put the coats upstairs. Shall we have a look upstairs? Well, uh, it seems he had much better fortune with his car than the sergeant is having. The Germanics peoples are uh, very good at machinery. What is wrong? 
with all of you. A murderer is escaping. Does that mean nothing to you? Escaping? You let him escape? Jack had a trigger finger cramp. Damn it! My car won't start at all. I'll have to find a cab, and by the time I get to the station, he'll be long gone. How could you have let him get away, Jack? Sorry, sir. I just don't have the Cracker Jack police training you do. Well, I'd better hurry if I want to have even the tiniest chance of finding him. Gosh, you'd think a whole room full of people could keep one little psychic murderer from jumping out the window. I think the term is, uh, mental telepathist. <sighs> and I'm going home. If I'm no longer being falsely accused of any murders, I refuse to remain in the same room with any of you for one more moment. You're going to be hearing about that one from the Sarge for a long time. Hey, when a lady has a trigger finger cramp, she has a trigger finger cramp. Of course, nothing any of us could have done. Such a dreadful shame. Dreadful. Dreadful. Well, uh, Miss Dell, thanks for a swell dinner. You're going? Can't I persuade you to stay for Pavlova? No, I think I've had about all the excitement I can take for one evening. Pavlova might just push me over the edge. Me too. All right, darlings, if you're quite sure. Miss Cassidy, you come with me and we really will find your coats. And on the way, you can tell me about some of those cases you've had. I meant to ask you about them all evening. Everything I've heard sounds too thrilling. Is it true that at the Strand Theater... Well, I guess you boys got lots of good copy out of tonight. Oh, did we? I can already feel the muse stirring. Have a little tact, chérie. The man's body is not even cold. I suppose you are used to the excitement such as this in your life with Miss Cassidy? I have to admit I've never been to a dinner party quite like this one. How long have you been with her? Huh? Oh, oh, I've been her secretary for a couple of years. And you are just her secretary? Oh, no, I, I also help her solve a lot of the crimes. You seem to care about her very much. Well, sure. Like I said, she's the best employer a girl could want. And that's all. Chérie, sois sage. Je suis, c'est juste que cette fille est bête. What, what do you mean, that's all? Nothing. He doesn't mean anything. La meilleure gérante. Personne pense à son gérant comme cette fille pense à Mademoiselle Cassidy. Chut, t'es mal poli. Hey, F, uh, you want to share a cab downtown? Sure. Uh, goodbye, um, monsieurs. It was lovely to meet you. Yes, uh, likewise. Au revoir. À bientôt. After all, Edmond, you were young and bait once too, you know. This episode of Hard Boiled featured the voices of Karis Backstrom as Jack Cassidy, Lauren Hughes as Effie Strombitsky, Murray Farnell as Sergeant McGregor, Rory Turner as Premier Liddell, Emmanuel Doubledum as Edmond Jolie, Andre Prevost as Jean de Montesquieu, Dave Clark as Roderick Redsdale, Kate Sheridan as Eulalie Redsdale, and Michael Vetch as Herr Dr. Adolf Maximilian Langsner, and as always, your announcer. Hard Boiled is written and directed by Celia Taylor and edited and produced by Tegan Sagansky with an original score and sound design by Dave Clark. Hard Boiled is presented in association with the Edmonton Pride Center and with the support of the Edmonton Heritage Council, the Edmonton Community Foundation, and the Edmonton Arts Council. Tune in next week when we'll return with another thrilling installment of Hard Boiled. <laughs>